If you have your copy of Scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Jonah, the tiny book of Jonah that we've been working our way through. If um, you don't know where it is by now, it's um, right in between Obadiah and Micah, if you know where they are. Uh, if you don't, maybe look in the front of your, uh, your Bible, and there's usually a glossary there to kind of tell you where to find it. Small little book, only these four uh, small little chapters but some powerful stuff about the mercy of God that we can find in here. Today we're um, at the end of our series on Jonah, and uh, we're looking at most of of chapter 4. Many of you hopefully have read chapter 4 for uh, this week, knowing that we're closing off this week. There's only, um, I'll say 11 11 or 12, yes, 11 verses in uh, Jonah chapter 4. Uh, a small chapter that if you haven't read it, I, I challenge you to read it uh, maybe when you go home uh, for this afternoon. Uh, some great challenges for us on God's love and mercy from the life of this prophet Jonah. Um, let me talk you a little bit about back over the last uh, few weeks over the, the story of Jonah. We, we began by talking about uh, God's mercy to those who don't follow him. And we see the story of the people of Nineveh, uh, the capital city there, uh, the Assyrian army who were ransacking much of the people of, of Israel, Jonah's people. And uh, they were the enemies of pretty much everybody around. Uh, nobody would have liked uh, really anyone that lived in the city of Nineveh. They were a city of, of sin and corruption. And yet God says to his prophet Jonah, I want you to go and to preach against their, their sin. And uh, Jonah decides instead of going where God wants him to, he, um, he hops on a boat and he heads in the opposite direction. He heads as far away from uh, Nineveh as he can toward a, a city called Tarshish. And uh, as he's out uh, on the boat, God sends this mighty storm that, uh, that shakes the boat and the sailors on there think that they're about to die and they say, what in the world is going on? Finally, they wake up Jonah and say, what in the world is happening? And he says, oh, uh, by the way, my God is the creator of the storm. He's the creator of all of the earth. And um, I'm the reason this storm is happening. You just throw me overboard and the storm will stop. And they kind of look for any way they can except for to do that. And finally, they throw him overboard and instantly the storm stops. And uh, we see God's mercy in those who don't follow him in it. Um, his mercy for the people of Nineveh who had, were completely against God, God's mercy for the sailors and saving their life, uh, even people who didn't follow him. But we also see mercy even for those who do follow him, uh, like Jonah. Now Jonah here is resisting God and he's turned away from God and he's thrown out into the, uh, the waters and it seems like that's the end for Jonah. But then all of a sudden God causes this, causes this big fish to come up and swallow Jonah and he lives in this belly of the fish for uh, these three days. And he decides then to follow God. And says he prayed earnestly to, uh, to God. And he recognizes his fault in not going to do what God's called him to do. And he says, God, I will follow you and I will do what you've said again. So what does the fish do? God causes the fish to, to spit Jonah up or to vomit Jonah up onto the, the shore. And Jonah goes and preaches this very simple message to the people of Nineveh. He walks around and he simply says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Pretty short and sweet, isn't it? That's his whole sermon. 
And I, I said last week, I think, that Jonah obviously wasn't a Baptist because his, his sermon was only one sentence long, and I've already well surpassed that. So um, it was a short and sweet, but all of a sudden the whole city started turning to God. And these people who had never really known God, who'd never trusted God, in fact, they had, they had persecuted the people of God, started all of a sudden turning to God and crying out and, and, and mourning before God and saying, maybe, maybe still if we show that we're uh, sincere about following God, we're sincere about submitting to God, God will show mercy and He won't destroy us. And so from the, the king and the leaders down, all the people showed their, their remorse for their sin and their corruption and said, we were, we're submitting to you, God. I've only been preaching for, I don't know, just over 20 years or so. But I don't know about you in church, but I just rejoice when one person gives their life to Christ. When you see, when you're, you're preaching and you're delivering this message that you know God's laid on your heart, and you see how that impacts someone, and you see them give their life to Christ, there's just nothing, there's nothing like that. And here, Jonah's preaching this message that God has laid on his heart, and he's walking along saying this message, and thousands upon thousands of people start coming to Christ. Now, how many of you remember the Billy Graham Crusades? Yeah? Yeah, did, did any of you go to, go to one? Some of you are showing your age now. So. <laughs> it's, um, no, I, I went to a Billy Graham crusade in the States uh, several years ago. And um, there's nothing like the time of invitation or the time of response. When you hear this beautiful, simple gospel message, he was a very simple preacher. Um, I know, hopefully you won't cast me out of the church, but Billy Graham is probably not the best preacher and I've heard, but I love the, the simple messages that he, he, he brings, uh, that he brought to thousands of people. And to see the way the Spirit of God moved in the place is amazing. To have this time of invitation, and all of a sudden you see one person get up, and you see another, and soon there are hundreds of people going down and responding. And I remember sitting there in, in a stadium full of people in North Carolina saying, Praise God. That's all my heart could say is, Praise God. Praise God, praise God, as I saw hundreds and hundreds of people go down and give their lives to Christ or get their life right with God. Now, you would think Jonah being the prophet of God, delivering the message of God to the people of Nineveh, thousands of people are coming to, to know God, that would be Jonah's response, right? But look with me in uh, Jonah. We'll, we'll start in, in uh, the 10th verse of chapter 3 because that's how we ended last week. And then we'll go into just, um, just, to chapter, or just to verse 3 of chapter 4. It says this. When God saw that they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, to me, 
as a pastor preacher, that's not exactly the response you would think the pastor preacher would, would have if thousands upon thousands of people are giving their life to God. Jonah's not overjoyed, is he? Jonah's not saying, praise God, praise God, praise God. For these people coming to know him, he's angry. He's cranky with God. And he says, God, I knew you are going to do this. This is why I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. Because I knew, although I'm angry with them, you would forgive them. I knew that although I think they need to be punished, you would show them mercy. Because you're just that kind of God. I knew you were that kind of God. I knew that you're, you're full of compassion and mercy. I knew that you're slow to anger and abounding in love. And that's why I didn't want to follow you in the first place. Here you go, God, doing exactly what I thought you'd do. You see, Jonah, he didn't agree with God too much, did he? He didn't agree in the way God was doing things. And yet, God, will see, continues to, to show him mercy even though he doesn't agree with him. Jonah speaks his mind quite clearly here to God and says, God, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you'd just forgive them. I knew you'd show mercy to those people. They don't deserve it. They deserve justice. They deserve punishment for the sins that they've done. They deserve to be persecuted for all the persecution that they've done to others. And Jonah essentially gets upset with God for being God, for acting the way that he does, for abounding in love and showing mercy. The same things that we sing songs about, his mercy and his grace and his abounding love are the same things that Jonah is cranky about. He says, why, God, would you forgive them? And so Jonah, he pounces and he whinges about And you know what? It's okay. It's actually, I, I love chapter 4 of Jonah because, one, it actually says, you know what? It's okay to actually sometimes not agree with God. It's okay to not understand the way he works. It's okay for our, our love and grace to not quite be on the same level as God's. Because sometimes we're going to disagree with God. Sometimes we do. And that's okay. And, and to Jonah, it was okay. But we'll see how God continues to show him mercy and grace even when he wasn't showing it. And this is a preacher. He's preaching the word 40 more days and, and Nineveh's going to be destroyed. And he's not saying, God is saying this like, please turn your heart to me. Turn your heart to me so it's not going to happen, so you won't be destroyed. Jonah, he's preaching the word, 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. And I think he's, maybe he's got a big smile on his face. You're about to be wiped out because of your sin. 40 more days is all I've got to wait. 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. And yet the people turn to God. God shows them mercy. But in his heart, Jonah still hadn't had he. In fact, we'll see in a moment... He goes up onto a hillside, up over the city, and he just sits and waits for the city to be destroyed. He sits and waits and watches, thinking, now, I've done what God's asked me to do. I've delivered that message. Now, bring it on, God. His 40 days are almost up. I'm sitting, I'm waiting, I'm going to watch, and they're going to be wiped down. In his heart, there's still bitterness and there's wrath. In his heart, there's, there's such anger toward these people that he thinks they don't deserve God's mercy. But God, when these people turned to him, he showed mercy 
relentless grace. And this really upset Jonah. And you know, we can kind of laugh at Jonah. We can think, well, that's ridiculous. But sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we say, man, I don't want to have a mansion next to him in heaven. You know, I don't want this person up there. They don't deserve that. God, if you had really known what they had done, if you'd seen the kind of lives that they've lived, you'd say, how could they deserve your grace? But the reality is God does see the kind of life they've lived. He, he does know the sins that they've done, and he knows the kind of life you've lived, and he sees the kind of sins that you've done. None of us deserve God's grace. That's, what it's, that's why it's called mercy. That's why it's called amazing grace, because none of us deserve it. It is only by the mercy and grace of God that we experience his love. But you see, Jonah here allows us to say, you know, it's okay to question God. It's okay to, uh, to be angry with God in the way he's responding. And we'll see that, Jonah, or that God continues to show mercy and grace to Jonah. Even though he doesn't understand, even though maybe he does understand who God is, but he's angry with how God's responding. And we'll see in, uh, in verse 4. This is verse 3. Jonah says, Now, Lord, take away my life. For it's better for me to die than to live. Now that's a bit dramatic, isn't it? Not only is he angry, because that's it. God, just take me now. Now, I don't know how many, how many of you uh, years ago saw the old, uh, the old comedy Sanford and Sons. Did you ever see that? Okay, well, in Sanford and Sons, it's, this, uh, it's, it's an African-American family. And this little old man, and he, uh, he lives with his son. And it's just this, the old man and his son. And his... Um, his son is, is young and he's healthy and he, he's wanting to go out on dates and stuff. And any time he starts, it looks like he may get serious in a relationship and so he may be spending less time with his dad, his dad fakes a heart attack. And he goes, oh, oh, son, just, just kill me now. You're just, you're killing me. And he goes, oh, here comes another one. The old ticker's not what it used to be. And he kind of passes out on the, on the lounge and his, his son automatically, you know, comes and runs over to him. And he'll kind of, you know, look up and, uh, you know, he'll have his eyes closed, but he'll kind of look up when his son's not looking, like he's really fine there, you know, and he's just faking it. And he says, all right, that's it. I can't take it anymore. And he said, son, here comes another one. And he just kind of grabs his chest. That's kind of, uh, Jonah is here. He's just going, all right, God, that's it. I, I just want to die I, rather than you, you doing what you want here. I, I can't take this anymore. And, and it's this really overdramatic sort of thing, response to God. But God responds this way. In verse 4 it says, The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah had gone out, and he sat in a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He sits there waiting for them to be destroyed. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, and he made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. The sun rose and uh, God provided a scorching east wind, made the sun blaze on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die. And he said once again to God, it would be better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah, again, in his anger, says, it is. 
He said, and I'm so angry that I wish I were dead. And the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant. Though you didn't tend it, you didn't make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have, have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right hand from the left, and so many animals as well. God continued to speak love to Jonah. Although Jonah is, I mean, he's cranky. He might be a little overdramatic with his cranky, but he's cranky. He's like, right, God, if you're going to be that way, just take me home. Just, I'd rather die. I'd rather not be your servant. I would rather die than, than to see you forgive these people. I would rather die than to know that I've got to follow a merciful and compassionate God. Now, it seems dramatic, doesn't it? But sometimes we get upset with the way God works. Sometimes we question His work as well. And yet God continues to show mercy and love to Him. Now, God, this is... God is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He, he has all power and all authority. He created the ends of the earth. He has the power to scold Jonah here. This is jo the God's servant. Jonah is God's servant. And he has the power to... Uh, to, to scold him or to punish him or even to wipe him out. Any king would. Any king in Jonah's day, if you want to question the king, he wouldn't give you the option of living or, or dying. He would have said, that's it. You're gone. Jonah goes up to God. To God and says, you know what? Just take me now. Just kill me. If you're going to be like that, just kill me. Because I don't want to live with a God who's so loving and so gracious and compassionate. These people don't deserve this mercy. Yet God speaks love and mercy to him. In verse 4 we see it where he says, Is it really right for you to be angry? In verse 10 and, and 11, he tries to lead Jonah to understand his heart. And he says, You're, you're upset about a plant. You're whinging about a plant that you didn't plant and you didn't grow. It, it, it was planted, it grew up overnight, it died overnight. And yet you don't understand why I would be so concerned about all of these thousands of people who need me. God continued to show mercy. And even when we question Him, even when we don't understand Him, He shows mercy. And he keeps leading us in his love. He keeps understanding, uh, he keeps allowing us to understand more of who he is. God still uses his power over nature to provide for us, to care for us, just like he did Jonah. Jonah is not happy about what's happening to Nineveh. He's sitting up there with his arms crossed while he's just waiting for the city to be destroyed. He's sitting up there pouting that God is so merciful. And wait, waiting, the hope, hoping that the city will be wiped down. And yet God allows this plant to grow up and to shelter his head. Not just to care for him from, from the sun, but to teach him a lesson of love and of grace. But Jonah becomes so concerned about this plant and not concerned at all about the people. And Jonah, once again, God goes, you really, 
you're really upset about a plant? He said, I am. I'm angry enough to die. This is ridiculous, God. How could you have taken away my shade plant here? How, how could you have done this? And God says, I can't believe you're upset about this, but yet you don't think I should be upset about 120,000 people or more who, um, who need me. You see, we may question God's ways, and that's okay. We may not always understand God's ways, and that's okay. He will continue to show mercy. He'll continue to show grace. And He'll continue to try to lead us in His ways, which are always best. God always has a plan. The Bible tells us, clearly, His, his ways are not our ways, and his, his plans are not our ways, but His our plans, but his, his plans are higher than ours. His ways are greater than ours. He's always up to something. And it always works out for our best. Not the way we plan it. Not the way we may want it. But for what is best. God tries to lead us in his mercy and his grace as a church. And challenges us to just trust him. And to trust in his way. And here in the story of Jonah, he uses... So many different things to lead Jonah in his mercy. To let, to challenge him to love like he loves. I mean, he, he caused this great storm when Jonah tried to go the other way. He had Jonah thrown overboard and, and then calmed the storm. Jonah and, and maybe even the sailors thought, oh, okay, he's okay. And then God caused this big fish to come up and, and swallow Jonah. Again, not, not Jonah's plan, not how he would want, but then God allows him to live in this um, belly of the fish for the, the three days. And then as he surrenders to God, he allows him to be vomited up on the shore. Jonah cleans himself up and he goes and follows God. And he preaches the message God wants him to, although he may not want to. He says he's surrendered to God, but he, and he, does the, he speaks the message, but in his heart he's not feeling it. And God sees this whole people group come to know him, come to trust him as the city of Nineveh starts to, to, uh, to turn to God, to surrender to him. And Jonah pouts still, and he doesn't see the mercy, he doesn't understand the mercy that God shows. And God allows this plant to, to grow up and to shelter him. He shows his power over, over nature over and again, time and time again. He raises this plant up to shield Jonah and to shelter him from the weather, but then allows that to be destroyed. It says God created the plant, and then God created the worm, which comes and destroys the plant. And God created a scorching sun and a bitter wind to make things rough on Jonah. So that Jonah does turn to him and says, Why in the world did you take away my plant? I like that plant, it was giving me good shelter. Why would you do that to me? God, you know I'm trying to sit here and I've got a good view of the city. I'm waiting for it to be destroyed. You've got this great plant over top of my head. Why would you take that away? And then God says, are you really angry about a plant? And he says, I am. I'm angry enough to die. And God, again, trusts to lead him in his mercy. And he says, but you don't understand why I'd be upset about people who need me. God always has a plan. And Jonah didn't see it at the time. Jonah didn't see that him going the opposite way of God was, was all part of what God knew about and was able to use to lead him back to God's mercy. 
Jonah didn't see it when he's swallowed by this big fish. Jonah didn't see it when he's been spit out on the shore. Jonah may not have even seen it when he's walking around the city delivering the message that God has given him. But God had planned all along to teach Jonah of his mercy and grace. And even people like Jonah who disagree with God and the way that he's handling things, we disagree with the the sort of love and grace that he's showing. We disagree with God being God. God shows mercy to him. And it's okay if on your Christian journey, your Christian life, you don't always understand the way God works. Because welcome to the club. None of us do. We don't always understand why God allows things to happen sometimes. We don't always understand why God allows the storms in our life. We don't always understand why God allows the, the big fish to come and, and to swallow us up. And times in which we just think, God, I want to die. I wish it was all over. I'm so angry with you, God, for allowing these things to happen. I'm so angry with you, God, for, for doing what you've done. Just take my life. We don't understand sometimes why God allows things to happen. But we can rest assured that we are in His hands. And He will never allow anything to happen to us that doesn't come through His hands. He loves you. He loves us as His church, as His people. And He will continue. When you question Him, when you're angry with Him, when you tell Him off, He doesn't respond in anger. He responds in love. When we respond to Him in bitterness and anger and questioning and direction, saying, God, you've got it wrong. You should be doing it this way. I don't know what you're thinking here, but this is a much better way. God responds in love. He continues to show us mercy. He continues to show us grace. I want to challenge us as a church to trust in God. Even in times when we don't understand Him. Even in times when we just think He's playing wrong. To trust in God because He always, He's always faithful to His promises. He will always provide for us and care for us. He will always give us what we need in just the time that we need Him. God continues to try to lead us as His church in His mercy. And say, you know what? What's important is for people out there who are in need to know God's love. What's really important isn't whether we think the air conditioning is cool enough or not. What's really important is not whether we think the, the guitar is too loud or the drums are playing the right beat at the right time. It doesn't matter those sort of things. It's the silly things that we get caught up in sometimes in our church. Not just this church, I mean the church in general. We get caught up in these little things and God says, is that really what you're upset with? And that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But I don't know. I've known people, I'm sure you have as well, who have left the church because of silly things. Same things that seem ridiculous. We go, God, I don't know what you're doing in that church. I don't know what, uh, what's going on. I'm out of here. And we, we question things and we, we get things all out of perspective. And God says, are you really angry about that? Are you really upset about that? Because what really matters is that my love is going out, that my mercy is going out to the people who need it in our community, that people are reaching out with my love and grace, that people as a church are gathering together saying, let's learn together from God's Word. Let's be challenged together to be the church He wants us to be, 
Let's keep learning from the mercy that God gives to us and be challenged to share that with others in our lives. Sometimes you're not going to understand the way God's work, God works. Sometimes we're not going to understand uh, different things in the church, but God says, keep showing mercy. Keep trusting in my mercy. I, I just think it's interesting that um, we're happy to receive God's mercy, aren't we? We're so happy. And, and that's why our, our, our praise songs talk about the mercy and grace of God, and we're celebrating that. We're rejoicing all that He does to us. But there's others we, we, we don't, we're not very happy about God being merciful to. We don't think they deserve God's grace. God says His grace is to any, any who will believe in Him. Call on the name of the Lord, Romans says, and you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart, or you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God has raised Him from the dead, you're saved. It's as simple as that. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all can have eternal life. I want to challenge us as a church to trust in God's mercy. Although we may not, we may not understand it, although we may not be happy with it at times, praise God that He's merciful not just to us. We're pretty happy about that part, aren't we? We think we deserve it pretty well. But to be happy about the fact that God is a merciful God Period. God shows mercy and grace to any and all. Not because we deserve it. Not because others think we deserve it. But because He's a merciful God. Because He is what Jonah says He is. He says, God, I knew You were gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sin and calamity. God is a God of mercy and grace. Even to us who sometimes disagree with him. Even to us who sometimes don't support his, his work or his love. Even sometimes those of us who don't think people deserve his love or grace, God continues to show mercy. He shows mercy to us even when we disagree with him, even when uh, we are not happy with his ways. And he keeps on leading us. He keeps on trying to teach us to be more like him and less like us. Unfortunately for the church... Sometimes there's more of us that shines through and less of God. And he keeps, it was certainly true in Jonah. He's saying, Jonah, man, you're concerned about all the wrong things. I'm concerned about people and them knowing my love. And I'm thankful that God shows to us that sort of mercy and grace. And they challenges us as a church to trust him and allow him to change our hearts and lives that we live out that sort of grace in our community. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for your mercy and grace. God, you show mercy, although we don't deserve it. You show us such grace, and you just abound in love. God, thank you. Thank you that you give us such mercy and grace, that you're slow to anger, but you just keep on working with us, patiently leading us in your mercy. Thank you, God, that even at times when we don't understand you or when we outright question your ways, you keep on showing us mercy. You keep on leading us in your love. You don't ever give up on us, God. Although sometimes we're angry enough to die, you, God, just keep on showing us grace and mercy and love. You never give up. You just keep on leading us, teaching us, guiding us in your love, in your mercy. Help us, God, to be merciful 
as you were merciful. Help us, God, to be loving as you were loving. In the same grace and love and mercy that we rejoice that you give to us, help us, God, to live that out in our lives toward others, that they might come to know you and your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.